listening to Bits of Me, the podcast about women's bodies, all the things we should know about them and all the stories behind them. This week I am talking to Catherine O'Keefe, Ireland's first menopause coach and speaker. Catherine works with menopause support in the corporate world, at events, on social media and more. For this episode, we got listeners to send in their questions, in particular with regards to the perimenopause. Before we get started, just a reminder that Bits of Me is back thanks to a number of wonderful patrons. You can support the podcast too by going to patreon.com forward slash bits of me. So tell me about how you ended up working with menopause health because you weren't always in this field. <laughs> no, uh, I've quite a, I, I've a, a colourful past, let's say. So um, in college, I, um, uh, I studied business and uh, I have a degree in business management. Um, and after college at the time, there wasn't, I guess, uh, too many jobs um, in, in Ireland at the time. So I went to London and I worked in investment banking for over 20 years, starting mm. off in London and I worked in New York. I, I worked uh, with India for quite a while. So I traveled, I've traveled extensively. Yeah. <laughs> um, and basically what um, I guess my route was, uh, my, my mom, you know, my mom was into a lot of um, natural complementary therapies when we were younger. So I guess it was always there, but I went away from it, um, you know, for, for many years. Mm. And then when I was living in London, I took um, about a year and a half out and I went uh, traveling. At the time, it was quite the thing to do. I, I traveled around the world backpacking. And um, on the final leg of my journey, I was in Thailand and I got severe food poisoning. Now, I, I mean, really bad okay. to the extent that um, I wasn't right for several months afterwards when I came back wow. to London. And, you know, I had uh, scans, tests, numerous um, things done, um, you know, through doctors in London and so forth. But my stomach just it wouldn't write itself mm. and so over time I uh, that caused me to return to um, uh, natural medicine and I got great relief and I literally after about uh, five or six months working with um, a doctor in Greenwich who was also um, a homeopath and a herbalist so basically my health completely turned around and um with that, it kind of reignited, I guess, uh, you know, a deep uh, fascination and interest I had in complementary medicine. But then later, when I, you know, I'd had three kids, I decided I wanted to go back and study. So mm. my latter few years in banking, I went back to college um, and studied um, natural medicine. And then the day, I guess the timing came where I entered perimenopause myself and I yeah. was probably I was 43 44 and um I really wanted a change so I guess I closed one door and I opened another so I mm. left the world of um the corporate world and you know I was lucky I'd finished college so now I had another kind of um you know complete different career um path that I could follow yeah. so because I was in my own perimenopause journey I became very aware of the fact that the gap in knowledge that existed and the fact that really 
you know, women were really being left without any idea of where to go, what to do, what was happening. Mm. For me, I was lucky. I knew what was happening and I, I, you know, I had a lot of tools myself. So I knew at different points what I needed, you know, what I could tweak, you know, how I could manage my own, um, my own perimenopause. Mm. And, um, you know, so I guess my own journey kind of led me to the fact that um, women needed support yeah. and I had been writing blogs for um, My Second Spring which is Ashling Grimley's website here in Ireland which was really the only website at the time that was providing support to women and it very quickly I could see that you know many women wanted one-on-one support mm. um, so I started working one-on-one with women and then basically I started doing talks all around the country. Um, you know, so I spoke many venues throughout Ireland, um, you know, with women just educating, you know, what is what is perimenopause, what yeah. is menopause, what's it all about? And particularly particularly talking about the symptoms that nobody else is talking about. And yeah. I've always done that because I've really felt that Everyone knows about the hot flushes. Everyone knows about the the night sweats. But that's the tip of the iceberg, um, Lina, mm. when it comes to, to this journey. There's so mm. much more that happens. And so really, for me, I guess I, 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 I have a real passion about it to really empower women. Mm. So that because I firmly believe once you have the knowledge behind you and you know what's going on, menopause is... Uh, is such a positive chapter in your life um but you can really make it positive and transformative when you get a handle on on your symptoms because Mm. it's very hard you know if you're not sleeping if you've got many other you know symptoms and issues to kind of navigate through you have to sort that before you can kind of see the the positive side of it and you know i always kind of you know it's the light at the end of the tunnel and there is a glowing light when it comes to menopause Mm. So you say that your career break coincided with this chapter in your life. Um, Mm. But how did you know then or what were the symptoms that kind of tipped you off that that's what was going on? For me, the very first symptom was um, I started questioning myself more, my confidence, my confidence. I, I, you know, I would have said I was very grounded. I was very um, like I was working. You can imagine in investment banking, it's quite a male dominated environment. You have to be very assertive. You have to be very confident. I was all of those things. Mm. But all of a sudden, I just knew I was a little bit off kilter. I just definitely was not as confident as I had been before Mm. and that was that was the start for me that was when I knew that's it it's my progesterone is starting to 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 change more so than than the estrogen and I find that that um you know many women will kind of say to me oh you know but my periods haven't changed I'm always kind of please don't wait for the periods. Don't wait for that that yeah. change because I'm finding with the majority of women that I work with, it's the changes on the emotional realm that happen first. Mm. And that more most often than not for many women is maybe self-esteem changes, confidence changes, a bit of anxiety starts to creep in. And that's what I noticed. That's yeah. That was, you know, f- for me. And then I guess 
you know one of my biggest moments was and it was a a, a rabbit uh, a rabbit and headlight moment was i was away in copenhagen with some very good friends of mine and my college crew and uh, i had a little bit of spotting a few days coming up to it uh, we were away for a weekend and i had a flooding episode and for anyone who's not familiar with flooding it's where your period comes on really quickly and mm. it comes literally as in very heavy and it happened to me in a restaurant in copenhagen and it was right. not pretty yeah. and you know that kind of you know had come after i'd noticed the changes in um the kind of the the confidence and so forth and the change then in the period you know I, you know i've had scans and blood tests and everything done prior to that because i'm very good to kind of keep on top of things mm. so i knew it, there wasn't anything sinister there it was for some women now it's not the majority you know there's few women who can experience flooding and that mm. was what happened to me as well so that was another little kind of you know um just another part of the journey another one of the changes that happened mm. and they it's not they don't all happen at the one time at different points in in the journey and um, you know menopause is you're looking at four to ten years in totality mm. um you know so at different points you're going to experience different symptoms mm. i think there's a lot to go through and i have a lot of questions myself but I've asked the listeners to send in their questions, so we're going to get mm-hmm. to those shortly. And I think that will probably cover a lot of it. Um, Great. Yeah. But I also have a testimony, if you like, from yeah. a listener who said, and this is not so much a question, but which I think picks up on a lot of what you've said. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I'd known that perimenopause can start mid to late 30s and no one talks about mm. it. And that menopause encompasses a range of mind body changes, not just an end of your cycle, which is actually yeah. less scary than all the other symptoms. Yeah, totally. And and that's that's what I've been talking about from day one. I That's been the one thing I, I just think that's, you know, not as it's not talked about as much. The changes mm. on, on, on the front of the emotional side and that impacts everything. It impacts relationships and um, it impacts how you feel about yourself. Mm. It impacts how you are with yourself, because I I work with many women who I I'm always saying to them, you know, be compassionate towards yourself, be mm. gentle. This is your hormones. This is not something you have done this is your body adjusting to the changes in hormones that are inevitable to all women Mm. some women you know may go through it with a few blips other women not so so you know i think we can for the majority of women we can be very very hard on ourselves Mm. and i think this is a time when you really need to be compassionate to me the mental aspect is so much harder than the physical you know it really really is and we know we also know that if you have a history of depression you are five times more likely to have a reoccurrence in perimenopause years if you've never had a history of depression you're two times more likely to suffer depression in perimenopause Mm. you know there's so much around depression anxiety and confidence that really many women don't attribute to perimenopause they kind of think it's them they think it's something Mm. happening in their life when in actual fact 
you can, for the majority um, of women, you can track it back to the hormone changes. And mm. I think that's the area um, that certainly has been getting a lot of focus over over recent years. And, you know, there's other there's other symptoms like one of the physical symptoms that definitely hasn't had um enough exposure and I have been talking a lot about it is uh, vaginal atrophy yeah and we know now that that you know nearly every woman at some point through the transition will experience vaginal atrophy in some shape or form um, and that's a, that can be a chronic condition for some women mm. and it is a it is one of the symptoms of menopause that will not go away unless you uh, are proactive and manage it and I think that is one symptom I, I know um, uh, a few people have said to me um, you know because I, I really went into that during the COVID lockdown and I've really talked about it on so many occasions you know people were kind of saying Catherine I think you've done this symptom enough <laughs> <laughs> you know I think you have it covered but 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 equally every week every week I work with someone who has vaginal atrophy yeah. and has been suffering and so I'm still kind of like okay this still has to be talked about you yeah. know so um you know we we've there's a lot of work to do yet mm. in terms of opening the conversation in society and also in the workplaces and certainly mm. I guess I'm seeing progress definitely is happening in the workplaces there's a long way to go but at least the conversations are happening. I'm in a yeah. lot of workplaces this year. Yeah. So just before we get to the questions from listeners, um, mm-hmm. could you just briefly explain what the hormonal changes are mm-hmm. that happen and kind of in what order? I think people know that there's some kind of a mm-hmm. drop in estrogen and imbalance or whatever, but that's yeah. kind of it for most people. Yeah. You're really talking about um, three key hormones. Uh, so progesterone estrogen and testosterone are the the three key players and generally the majority of women um it'll be estrogen and progesterone that will create symptoms um but also for many women testosterone and we often think of testosterone as being a male only hormone when mm. in actual fact it's not it's very important mm. uh, to women as well but it, generally what happens is progesterone is the first to decline um and that's the kind of that is the you know that's the nurturing hormone the calming hormone and progesterone is very gradual mm. gradual but steady really in its decline whereas estrogen which is a hormone, you know, that really impacts nearly every part of our body yeah. um, is very erratic. Yeah. It doesn't do the nice gradual decline that progesterone does. It's all over the place. It comes, it goes. I always say it's a bit like a boomerang. It doesn't know whether it's coming or going. It bounces, yeah. it comes back and, and until it finally settles down menopause we often say is reverse puberty and mm. if you look at um you know say the your your teens your your 20 when you're in your 20s those hormones are high um but when you come to menopause the hormones are declining mm. and if you can if you look at many of the symptoms they're actually pretty much the same as what you know um, a teenager may go through in puberty you know the moodiness erratic sleep skin changes weight etc yeah so 
mirror it mirrors a lot of the menopause uh, symptoms but the difference is in puberty the hormones are going up in menopause the hormones are going down so mm. um and that is what creates the symptoms and that's mm. why every single woman's journey is going to be unique mm. because how I react to a change in any of those three hormones versus how you react will be very different. Mm. And then to compound it and what also makes it even more difficult and more challenging is when you add stress into the mix. Mm. And the stress that we experience today is very different to the stresses you know, maybe our grandparents had or our parents had in the past. They're mm. there. You can't compare them They're They're, you know, it's a different world now. Mm. You know, we have the stress of technology. We've got the stress of social media. You know, there's different stresses. And now we've COVID stress. Mm. So it, it's 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 very, you can't compare. But stress is I always say stress is one of the biggest triggers to, in right. my view, all of the menopausal symptoms, probably bar vaginal atrophy, but mm. the majority of other symptoms are all exasperated by stress. Mm. And it's the one area of our lives that we need to keep a handle on and to manage. We really, really do. It's so important. Mm. So um, what should you be expecting then when it all starts? Um what signs should you look out for? And how do you know when something happens that this is, this what's, is what's happening? Saying. I mean, for, I, I go back to be mindful of the change in how you're feeling. You mm. know, that's that is really important. And, you know, that can be any stage in your early 40s. For some women, it's earlier. Um, and we should we'll talk in a minute about the different forms of menopause. Um, then you really are looking at, you know, it's not going to be a blood test because you whilst you may ma- mention FSH levels, which is a follicle stimulating hormones, that level changes every day. So right. you could get your bloods done on a Monday and, the you know, your level could be uh, kind of, you know, might be 9, 10, 12, which is kind of peak fertile, good, you know. Okay. Um, or you could get it done to be 100 your perimenopause, mm. you're heading, you know, you're up there, you're double digits, high double digits, but they'll change from every day in your cycle. Mm. The FSH readings will change. So we know they're not um, what to look for. It's all mm. about the symptoms. So look for changes in how you are emotionally. And also a big one is a return of PMT symptoms. You may not have had PMT for years and then all of a sudden, you might get a bit of breast tenderness. You might get a bit of bloating. You might just get a bit of that, you know, just not feeling yourself, feeling a bit low, maybe the few days before your period. Mm. That would be a very common sign that PMT being the same as PMS or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. where, you know, before, you know, before your periods, that few days where you'll feel a little bit just not right Mm. if you start to notice that starts to happen a week before your period that's another little tick box Mm. yes you're veering towards the perimenopause and then then it may be your periods might change by a day they might change in terms of they might be a little bit heavier they might be a little bit lighter Mm. um you know little changes like that 
the bigger changes like the hot flushes, the night sweats, um, you know, loss of libido, different things like that. They're not generally, they're not the first change that's going to happen. It's more mm. the subtle, it's more the subtle changes that will start to happen and um, would be kind of more the early warning signs and t- tiredness as well. But yeah. uh, where tiredness, where, where what's important there with tiredness and why I always advocate um, getting into the habit of having your blood tests every year is because some of the symptoms of perimenopause can also look like thyroid issues yeah. or low low iron anemia or mm. it could be low b12 or it could be low vitamin d so it's they're all kind of to, the same aren't they it's they really are confusing. so it's very good it's very good to get your bloods done so that you can rule out mm. you can rule out okay you, you you're you don't have an issue with your thyroid your iron is fine etc etc and then you know okay right i'm at the start of perimenopause what are my options yeah, so say that I've noticed that I've got these mm. changes and I've kind of ruled out, I've had tests done, it's not my thyroid, and I've figured out that it's not just my normal cycle, that it's something different or Difference. something more. Yeah. What can I do then um, before the real kind of the hot flushes and all the other symptoms arise? Is there anything I can do to help myself and to make it a smoother ride, so to speak? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the lifestyle um, is definitely really, is is key. And no mm. matter what you opt for down the line whether it's hrt or complementary medicine you have to do the lifestyle you have to you know and if you start to notice early on um which is which is just brilliant because if you can catch it early then you can start to make sure you're making the lifestyle changes so you're making sure you're getting regular exercise you're making sure you're getting the right nutrients, the right minerals into your body um, on a daily basis. You're making sure you're drinking enough water because hydration is a major issue when mm. it comes to um, menopause. And also, you know, you're doing that check in with your with your GP to make sure that there isn't any other underlying issue there that you need to be aware of. Mm. So it's really important to kind of make sure you're doing all of the lifestyle changes and managing that stress Mm. you have to manage the stress and then it comes into well you know for for some women their diet may be just exemplary may be very good that they're covering all the nutrient the nutritional deficiencies that may start to seep in if you're not you need to be very, very um, conscious of and make sure you're getting B vitamins into your diet, either supplement or not. Mm. You want to make sure you've got ample vitamin D in your system. It's, it's so important. Mm. Um, and then also, you know, making sure that um, you have omega-3s. They're, to me, I always kind of say they're the holy trinity. They're the starting point mm. of making sure not only you're protecting yourself for the menopause years but you're future proofing your health for the future Mm. so we know that alzheimer's and dementia two out of three alzheimer and dementia patients are women Mm. we know it is a disease that um, inflicts more women than men and we know well there's ongoing research into the part estrogen has to play there but we know the importance of 
diet of exercise of omega-3 you know so it's really really important that that becomes one of your um kind of holy trinity as i say yeah and all you know and and we have to manage the stress for the future proofing so i think it's it's getting your ducks in your ducks in order you know having mm. everything lined up because if you go into it prepared empowered with the knowledge you are in for such a different experience mm. as opposed to waiting until the day comes when you're hit with an onslaught of night sweats, hot flushes, brain fog, yeah. insomnia, libido, you know, when everything comes rushing at you, then because of the exhaustion you'll feel at that time, it, you, yes, you can, you definitely can, uh, can work your way through it. It just makes it harder, mm. you know, whereas if, you're ready if the sleeves rolled up you know and you're gonna you're gonna take this you know head on then it's a very very different experience yeah a lot of people have asked about the difference in symptoms if you already have another condition so Mm. I've had people ask about well even if you're on the oral contraceptive pill how do you know that the menopause is kicking in or if you have polycystic ovary syndrome if Mm -hmm. you're living without a thyroid um what yeah. or how does that impact on the symptoms when it starts? If um if you have PCOS, uh, polycystic um, ovarian um, syndrome, you generally you generally for the most part you will actually go into menopause two two years later than um right. the average natural menopause without any underlying condition. So that's just one thing to be aware of. So menopause itself the average age would be 51 and that's Mm. kind of you've gone through the majority you've gone through the perimenopause years and that's where your period has stopped for 12 months yeah and if you are on the pill it depends what you're on if it's progesterone only what you might experience is that your periods might become a little bit more irregular and that would be kind of the signal that things are changing. But if you're on a combined pill and you're having that monthly bleed as normal, then it's going to be difficult to know. And what may also be happening, and this is the positive part of it, is that the combined pill might actually be helping you, as the progesterone might be too. It might be actually helping with some of the symptoms. So you mightn't actually realize you're even feeling them. Right. So one question that I'm often asked, and I know this is separate to the pill, but just while I think of it, I'm often asked if I stop HRT, then it'll push me into menopause. That's not true at all. We know that if you stop, if you are on HRT and you stop HRT, that it's not going to um, postpone menopause what can happen is many women will stop hrt and they'll generally it's the hot flush that they'll start to experience and they'll say oh god now i'm going into menopause Mm. they're not what's happening there for the most part is is that the hot flush generally is the last symptom to go so it could be i've i've worked with women in their 60s who are still getting hot flushes Mm. so it can be that they may have stopped their hrt for whatever reason and they're still getting hot flushes because they were going to get them anyway 
stopping the HRT yeah. is not the reason that they're getting the hot flushes. Mm. But certainly with the contraceptive pill and so forth, it is it's not, it, it is going to make a difference in terms of um, what you're going to experience and what you're going to see. Mm. But there's no reason to worry about staying on the pill around this time in your life. You can do it for as long mm. as it's necessary, yes, I suppose. Yes, but... Yes, you can. But I mean, I would definitely be saying it will be worth at some point having the conversation with your with your GP. Is the pill the right medication for you or mm. is it is, you know, if if you want to look at um HRT hormone replacement therapy, you know, it might the time might come to have that conversation mm. with your GP. So that really is going to come down to, you know, your medical history and, and so forth. Mm. I have a question actually about HRT, but just to touch on the thyroid issue first. Mm -hmm. So depending on what thyroid issues you have or if you don't have one. No, no, no issue whatsoever um, in terms of um, your thyroid really. Like I have, I'm hypothyroid. um, So I take L-troxin every day, very small Mm. amounts. Um, But that doesn't it doesn't in any way change my my journey through menopause i imagine it probably would if i wasn't on eltroxin <laughs> i'd say yeah. it, it could make it harder but i think issues with thyroid are very common um, mm. and most women who have a thyroid issue will be uh, on eltroxin it's not going to make a change to your menopause transition it's only it's something else you you need to keep an eye on and might it impact on the dose of how much eltroxin or something it, you're taking? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a funny one, actually, because for me, my dose has actually gone down. Um, mm. Now, I don't think that's menopause related. I think with the hormones, it's never going to be one size fits all. And that's why you really have to just keep an eye on it and, mm. um, you know, monitor it. So one listener is asking about HRT and says that, mm-hmm. um, what did she say? It seems to have worked well for my mother, but she started Mm -hmm. late and it's been suggested to her that it would have been more effective had she started early. Mm. Um, Is there such a thing as too early? Um, No, I don't think so. I mean, I think generally uh, the the guidance is is the right side of 60, as in, you know, um, before you reach the age of 60 are the beneficial is the beneficial time. Um, mm. to start HRT and also within 10 years of your menopause. Um, so it will depend on your symptoms and on your personal history. And that's obviously where the importance of having a GP who is very up to date and trained in menopause is extremely important um, yeah. i know dr deirdre lundy who trains a lot of the gps uh, well all the gps here that that do extra training in ireland she trains them and i know over the last month she's trained 130 um gps mm. which is brilliant because we know for a fact there is a gap in knowledge a huge gap mm. um and certainly you know that needs to be bridged um, and mm. it needs to be bridged fast. The other thing we do need to realize is that 
menopause is one of many ailments and symptoms um, mm. and life changes that GPs are trying to manage. So for, for them trying to keep on top of everything and such busy practices as we know today, that is challenging. So, you know, because, you know, they've got heart issues, they've diabetes, they've epilepsy, they've kids, mm. you know, as in, in their in their practices to deal with. So I think I think we have to be, um, I think we have to realise the great job many GPs are doing and then also realise that, you know, menopause is just one chapter in a vast array of what they're covering. So mm. for a GP to be fully up to date on the latest research and treatments in relation to menopause, they're not going to have gotten it in college. They're going to have to have gone and trained extra. They'll have to have done extra training to get that. So, you know, not every GP is going to be able to have the time to do mm. that. Yeah. So it's really a matter of just finding a GP who can transition through this journey with you because I do think that's very very important. Mm. So would some women start on HRT before the menopause as in during the perimenopause when you're starting to have those early yeah. symptoms? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, some some women would um you know it really depends on age and depending on the the symptoms but you know many many women might start in their mid 40s or their late 40s and um, certainly well before the years well before they hit 50 um mm. you know so it really just depends and it also depends on personal choice um not every woman for whatever reason maybe their medical history and so forth um may not favor hrt but we know yeah. hrt has changed dramatically from where it was say you know even 10 years ago it's mm. changed dramatically so um which is a great thing for me it's really understanding the options that you have yeah. is very, very important because I work with many women who are on HRT and conversely, I work with many women who aren't on HRT. And mm. I think it's really important for us as women. You know, we like to have choice and, you know, we, we don't want to be told, oh, you have to do HRT or, yeah, oh, you have to do acupuncture. We need to make our own informed decisions. And I'd work with many women who were on HRT and also maybe doing acupuncture, also might be taking supplements because they HRT may not tick all the boxes, mm. um, even though they've tweaked it and they've gotten so far with it. But there still might be something they need help with. Mm. And then there's other women who won't need HRT at all. They may just mm. be may have very few symptoms and may be doing really well. Yeah. So it, it really kind of depends. But the most important thing is that you have the right information and that you you can make an informed choice. That is so, so important to me. Yeah. To me, that's what I look at my role as being, that I educate and help women to make an informed choice that they're happy with. And it's not like, you know, I was working with a lady last week and, you know, she said to me, oh, I feel like I've succumbed to HRT and I, I felt like even out to her you know I did kind of say to her you haven't yeah I said you haven't at all I said I said you know you've made a choice and you've made an informed mm. choice and I said I said you know that's courageous and you know I, I what you're doing is courageous mm. and you know it's not you know and I think we need to be very mindful of that and I think Lena we need to be very 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 respectful of the fact that all of us can make our own choices. And I'm saying this from a place of, I've seen it um, across social media platforms, across conversations I've had with many, many women 
who have spoken to me and have said, oh, Catherine, you know, I sometimes, you know, I feel I'm being left out because I mm. can't take HRT or because I don't want to take HRT. That's mm. not right. No. And I really, really believe that because I don't want to sit in a room. Um, and this has happened. I do not want to sit in a room and I do not want to have a woman crying um, with me because she can't take HRT because of her personal medical history and she feels she's losing out and mm. um, uh, you know because I, I and I will really, I you know I will say to, to, to many women listen I have known women who've taken HRT and it hasn't solved all their problems yes yeah. the majority of women yes the majority of women it will definitely help them mm. but it's it's not one size fits all and we mm. need to be very respectful of that just like when I make my choice, it's my choice. It's not my mother's. It's not my sister's. It's mm. not my best friend's. It's mine. Mm. One woman is saying, talk moods to me. If you <laughs> already have anxiety or depression, what can you expect when menopause hits? Yeah, moods. Ooh, Lord, that's a, <laughs> that's a tough one. I think you can expect anything. I have to be really honest. You can expect fluctuations of extremes. You can expect rage. Mm. Um, you can expect tearfulness. You can expect just days where you may not want to get out of bed. You know, low moods. Mm. And there's so much you can do for yourself there. You know, there's, there's, you know, the B vitamins are so important. I can't impress how important they are when it comes to moods. And but when you look at the bees together, all of them together, they they do they do mighty to me. They're like superheroes. They do mighty roles. And certainly anyone who is feeling a little bit off kilter with moods, the first place to start is um, is your bee your B vitamins and you know looking at good supplements I'm a bit of a I'm very 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 picky when it comes to supplements and I think that's really really important because mm. menopause has become a very profitable market and yeah. you'll see like I would receive on a daily basis I'll get messages from women I found this on Google would you recommend mm. it and I'm like oh my God, no, run. <laughs> Just in terms of, you know, we need to be very, very careful that sometimes what it says on the box is not always what it does. Mm. You know, there's, and, you know, thankfully there's some fantastic Irish products that um, have been developed and have come out over recent years, which are brilliant, you know, but certainly, you know, in health stores as well, but certainly on the internet, there's a lot of products out there that, will yeah. promise promise to solve your menopause <laughs> yeah very quickly and that's not the case and i think you know particularly when you're experiencing the emotion issues on the emotional level you know where your moods are out of kilter that is something that you cannot uh, let you can't let it continue because not only does it impact you but it impacts those around you it impacts mm. your family it impacts your partner it impacts your children if you have them so it's very important to talk to your family members your friends about what you're experiencing so they know mm. Where does premature ovarian insufficiency fit in with all of this? Yes. That was a question from yes, a listener. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you raised that one. So with menopause, we've talked we're talking in general about natural menopause, but I always say if you think natural menopause is a difficult transition, 
early menopause is much more difficult. Mm. So when we talk about early menopause, we're generally talking about cancer, surgical induced menopause, where you're catapulted into what we what's commonly referred to as cliff age menopause. So it happens very mm. quickly overnight after surgery, etc. Now, also, then you have premature ovarian insufficiency, which basically can happen from the age of 13 upwards. So if you think about it, if you're 13, 14 and you're suffering hot flushes and night sweats, that is not easy. Yeah. And we know it's out there and it is definitely on the increase. Mm. I know many doctors are seeing it, that there are more young girls being diagnosed with POI now than ever before. We also know that there's many young women who are going around undiagnosed. And that is dangerous because if you think about it, if you're just, let's just say you're age 20 and um, you're diagnosed with POI, that means at the age of 20, you already have low levels of those primary hormones in your body. Now, those hormones are essential for our lives, but they're essential for our organs. So your, your brain, your heart, your bones, if you don't have those hormones, if you're missing those hormones, let's mm. say in the example of a 20 year old, in theory, those hormones should all be in, in vast supply up until the age of certainly the early 40s. But if you're losing them or you've lost them 20 years before, mm. that has a knock on effect on those organs, on yeah. your heart, your brain, your bones. So they, you, they have to be replenished. They have to be. There's, there's, mm. you know, that is the, that is the treatment. Um, what about the links between menopause and cancer? So breast and ovarian cancer in particular? Um, in terms of does menopause cause it or? Well, um, this is a question from a listener. So I'm assuming because, well, at least in the past, there would have been a lot of talk about HRT, I suppose, yeah, and the yeah, risks of cancer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's what this person was thinking of, but mm-hmm. are there any increased risks? I, I think that's where being informed is really, really important. And we know, like, as I mentioned earlier, um, HRT has changed dramatically to what was used in the past. And we mm. know what's often quoted or what put a lot of um, scaremongering around HRT was the women's health study that was done several years back. And we now know that that study was flawed in many, many aspects. Um, so I, I think are there some are there risks with hrt yes there are some um are there benefits yes there are when it comes to the risks you've got to take into account your personal medical history if you are someone who's had deep vein thrombosis then you most definitely wouldn't be prescribed oral hrt possibly Mm. depending on your medical history you may be able to look at transdermal hrt which is through the skin um but it really it it's very very important to take your personal medical history into account mm. but it's what's also very important to realize is that when you look at um breast cancer risks you know also we know alcohol smoking they're big big triggers mm. for breast cancer you know whereas uh, the when you look at the statistics hrt wouldn't pose the same increased risks risks per head 
Um, yeah. When you look at statistics compared to most definitely compared to carrying weight. So weight is really, really important, you know, as are, you know, as I said, the alcohol, smoking and so forth. So the importance is, is making an informed choice and understanding mm you know where the risks are and mm. where the benefits are you know we know that when you look at hrt there's the bone protection that comes there's also um heart protection that um is, yeah. is provided by by estrogen in particular so it's really you have to measure it up and but mm. you can't measure it up without taking into account your personal mm. history I'm almost a little bit torn. Um, I'm thinking a lot of what you said can feel quite empowering in a way that I'm thinking if you take control mm-hmm. of this, um, when you yeah. start to have symptoms, you can actually make it a much better experience and, you know, know your body and feel your way through yeah. this somehow. Um, yeah. But at the same time, as you said earlier, we live in a world where there's a lot of stressors and yeah already like trying to get daily exercise is a squeeze and you know eating healthily and you know Mm. all these things like if it's 10 years of managing everything all the time it does Mm -hmm. sound exhausting yeah I I I know I can see what you're saying there but but do you know the important and I think it's it's a brilliant point Lina because do you know the importance is there we need yes we need to talk about menopause years but more importantly, what you do by doing the exercise, by doing your lifestyle, you're preparing, you're future proofing yourself, not just for the menopause years, but for the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. Mm. We're living longer. That's a fact. You know, hopefully all going well. We live well. And I mean that we are well into our 90s. Yeah. But I don't, my mum has dementia. I do not want to be living through dementia. Mm. I want to be living well and healthy. I want my brain to be intact. Mm. And in a way, we've got to kind of stop thinking that we need to just get through menopause and then just all sit back, all be fine. But I'm very much now, it's very much, yes, you need to manage and preempt the menopause years and look after your symptoms. But nearly more important is you've got to prepare yourself for these later years because, Mm. you know, we know and and we haven't even talked much about heart disease. We know heart disease is so common Mm. um, with women and dementia. And what you do now in your 40s by doing all those lifestyle changes and making sure you're living your life to your optimum it's not just about menopause it's about future proofing regardless of what you're doing if it's herbalism if it's acupuncture if it's hrt you still have to future proof yourself for the later years that we now know we're going to be living Mm. and that is that is so important Mm. and that's like every time i go for my run really honestly every time i think two thoughts I'm glad I'm able to run mm. because not many, not, not everybody is able to run. Mm. But I'm also grateful of the fact that I can run because I know I'm future proofing my brain and my bones. Mm. And that's a gift. So, yes, do women have a lot to take on in life in general? Yes, we do. We know that we, <laughs> we, we bear children, you know, all of these other things, you know, we manage the home the workplace or not, maybe we don't we manage careers we manage stress mm. but we also have to manage and prepare ourselves for the fact we're living longer years and 
the other thing is um i i'll always go back to um i'm a huge fan of the japanese way of thinking when it comes to menopause and they have the most beautiful phrase for the menopausal years which is called kanenkai and if you translate that into um, english it means renewal years and that is what menopause is. It is, yeah. you know, the um, symbol of the butterfly is often used, the catharsis, the metamorphosis that happens. But it is renewal years because you go through a big change. And when you go through a big change, you're never going to be the same person again. You're going to change. And I definitely see and work with many women. And I think all of those women, it's a change for the better. And it's a change mm. where... You're more empowered, you're more confident, you're more self-assured, you're more content. You're, mm. you're definitely more content in your body, in your thoughts, in your life, in where you're at. Um, it's, there's a devil me care attitude as well, you know, and um, there's a freedom that mm. comes at this stage. And it's all about, there's a lot to do with mindset. Mindset is key in menopause. Um, if you go into it thinking, oh my God, I'm in for hell. This is going to be, you know, this is going to be hell. It, it, it will be hell. If you keep telling yourself that, you're going to make yeah. it hell. So mindset is really important. I went into perimenopause with the most positive mindset ever. I've looked on it every week, every day as a learning opportunity. And my journey... Yes, I've had blips, but my journey has been really positive. I mm. mean, I've been very, very lucky. I've got my own arsenal, my own toolbox. I, I know what I can use. And I think changing the record of what it is and, you know, looking at the empowering aspect of it, it's like uncovering the hidden key, the hidden lock, you know, that you can, yeah. uh, the secret maybe. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, please change the record to think about the fact that everything you do from your 40s onwards is not about your menopause it's about protecting yourself for when you're 80 mm. 90 before we wrap up tell me what's in the pipeline for you and what you're working on for the next while and what's coming up <laughs> oh god that's a big one um <laughs> I have so many eggs in the basket at this stage. Really, I've got some really exciting things coming down the pipeline. So um, hopefully I'll be able to say a bit more about that over the next few months. But the most uh, kind of most exciting thing that's coming hopefully in April is I've been working over the last um, six, nine months. I've been building an online course um which i'm hoping we, we we're, we're just about ready to go we'll be going live in um april brilliant so that's going to be brilliant because whilst i'm still doing talks online and in workplaces and so forth i still find um there's so many more women that i'm not reaching or that i'm trying to reach yeah. and i think this will offer a fabulous opportunity for me to really be going very deep mm. it's going to be very in-depth and it's going to be very interactive um so i'm really excited about that and then i am working on um a few different bigger plans as well so you know hopefully i'll have more to come on that over over the next few months but i'm i'm forever thinking <laughs> and i'm forever looking at ways that i can grow and ways that i can grow that i can help more women That was Catherine O'Keefe on Bits of Me. If you have questions for her, you'll find her information and social media handles in the show notes, where I'll also add links to the Bits of Me socials. 
If you can spare the price of a coffee a month to help keep the conversation going, please go to patreon.com forward slash bits of me. Thanks for listening. Thank you.